This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. You're invited to join us at our worship assemblies each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. There was a couple that in the Midwest that just got married and wanted to take a trip to California for their honeymoon. They went on their honeymoon and uh, enjoyed their time walking up and down the boardwalk, seeing the sights. And over a period of time, they decided they wanted to have a memento, something in the, on the boardwalk, one of the shops. They wanted to buy something so it has something that they could remember this time by. They saw a sign, imitation beads. And this is a Paul Harvey story. I forgot to left that out. The imitation beads. Uh, they went in and they looked and his wife found some amber-colored beads. And, man, she, she really liked them. They were a bit pricey, but they said, it's our honeymoon. Let's get it. So they bought them. So over the years, it was her favorite beads. She wore them, and every time she put them on, she thought of the time they had in California walking on the boardwalk and the memories. After about 20 years, though, those imitation beads, the string wore out, and it broke. So she took it to the local jeweler to get it restrung because they were her favorite beads, imitation beads. The jeweler said, looked at it and said, I'll give you $1,000 for these right now. Will you take it? said, no, I won't take it. This is what I got for my honeymoon, and it reminds me of the time that we spent on the boardwalk after we got married. And he said, why would you offer that for these imitation beads? These are imitation beads. She went home, and he, he just restrung the beads, and tell her anything else about it. She went home and told her husband that the jeweler had offered $1,000 for those fake beads, and she wouldn't take it. So his curiosity got up, and he said, well, I'm going to New York on a business trip. Uh, I'm going to take them with me and take them to a jeweler in New York. Surely they know better than our jeweler and see why this offer was made. So sure enough, he went to New York, went to a famous jeweler, and said, would you look at these beads? And the guy said, I'll offer you $3,000 for those beads. And the guy said, those are imitation beads. Why would you offer that? I've been offered $1,000 and 3,000 for these imitation beads. And he didn't take the money. He said, but tell me why. He said, you never looked at it with a loop. And I guess that's one of the eyes where you can see. He said, these aren't imitation beads. These are hand-carved beads from uh, amber, which I had to look up. Y'all probably knew what it was. It's a tree sap that gets hard and they carve out beads from. It's rare. And he said, on each bead, it says, to Josephine from Napoleon, 18XX. She had something very valuable and wanted around her neck and never knew it. it was imitation beads. And never knew it. But once she did know it, she didn't take money for it because the memory meant more than the money to her. It held value to her. Not because it's worth a thousand or three thousand, because of the memories, and she kept the beads. And I lead off with a story, wondering how many people are walking around in the world today with the most valuable thing they could possess, and don't even know it. I wonder how many. Our soul is the most valuable thing we can possess, 
And I don't think some people really realize the value of their soul. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about how God views our soul and the value of our soul. We read in, in Mark 8, 34, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall, will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. For what, upon, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of of his father with the holy angels. We're told here that to come to Jesus and follow him, deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow. And we're told here that the whole world, he said, we can gain the whole world but lose our soul. The whole world, all the riches in the world and lose our soul. The necklace had more memories of value in it than the, the monetary value that the couple was offered. The question is still present today, what will, we, what will we give in exchange for our soul? You know, we read in Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to, unto God who gave it. People, many times we work hard on preserving this body. I, I think the health industry is probably one of the fastest growing in the business. Diet pills, uh, weight, uh, weight training programs, everything we do to build up this body, and it's going to be returned to dust. And we can't look anywhere without seeing some kind of new exercise or diet that keeps our bodies healthy or medicines. Uh, we are to try to keep our bodies healthy and not do anything to harm them, but we need to cultivate the spirit within us with the same enthusiasm as we do our physical bodies. You know, the, the origin of the soul gives it, gives it value. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and became man a living soul. God breathed the breath of life into man and became a living soul. Someday we're going to stand on, set on the ju judgment seat. Have we nurtured and strengthened our souls in, in God's sight? We need to not only care for our physical bodies, but show care for our soul. And again, we see here, whoops, I went backwards. I found this survey, and I've got three slides like this. And I think this is why it's important to to us to understand the importance of the soul. Four out of 10 U.S. adults consider religion very important in their lives. It went from in 2007, 56, it's down to 40% view religion as important in their lives. You know, when everybody we encounter out in the world, if we count 10 people, four of them may not think religion's important. Four of them might not have the value for your soul that you do. Six of them might not have the value of the soul that you do. Four may. And if we're, we're hanging around the six that don't have value, where are we placing value on our soul? It's important that we know the value of the soul and place value on the soul as we make decisions out in life, in our everyday life. The soul has an eternal quality for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man may perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding than the eternal weight of glory. 
we may look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We're moved by faith, hope, and love for our souls and the desire for the glory of God that prompt of the glory that God promises. We cannot for a minute give way, relax our effort and ability to serve God. Our bodies will waste away over time as we grow weary living through the trials of life. You know, I think about this. My body looks a lot different than it probably did 30 years ago. But as my body gets weaker, as my body goes through life, as we go through the trials of life, when we get grow weary, our soul can be renewed daily. And as your physical body gets weaker, as we age, if we follow God's word and, and obey his commandments, our soul gets stronger, our inner man gets stronger. We have that ability to get stronger. So as we, as we get older and our physical body decays, we can work on our inward man because its immaterial nature will not waste away like our physical bodies. We need to have concern for our soul because God has concern for our soul. The Lord is not slack in concerning his promise. As some men count slackness but long-suffering, us, us were not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God wants every soul to re and everyone to repent and obey his commands and be with him in eternity. We should have the same concern for our soul and the souls of others. God gives us a plan that we can save our souls. He sent Jesus so that we may live. But God commandeth his love toward us and that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Much more being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For it was for if when we were enemies we were, were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus came to earth, died for our sins, because sin had separated us from God. By following the plan of salvation, our sin is washed away by the blood of Jesus. God does not want us to perish, but all repent and come to him. Here's another survey. Roughly three in ten adults now are religiously unaffiliated. So these are the ones that say they affiliate with some religious organization, and these are the ones that say they don't. 30% of the people that were surveyed, they're not in church today. They're not with like-minded Christians. They're not saying prayers to God. They're not singing praises to his name. They're not going to have a remembrance of the... The death of Jesus and the price that was paid for us. 30% of the people. How much value are being placed on, do they place on their soul? The world places value on things that will not strengthen our soul. They place value on things in the world. We need to place the value in things that come from above. Choose Jesus, not riches. For as much as ye know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold... From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or without spot. We need to place our faith in Jesus. There was a dad that gave a little girl two his little girl two dollars. He said, one dollar, you can get anything you want. The other dollar belongs to God. 
So the little girl said, okay, and happily run into the candy store with her money in her hand, hit a curb, fell, and a dollar went down the drain. She hopped up and said, well, Lord, there goes your dollar, and goes on to the candy store. We don't need to be like that. <laughs> we need to put God and serving God above all, and that gives value to your soul and what you believe. Now, the little girl, that was honest, but I'm talking about as adults that we know better. <laughs> We don't need to be that way. We need to be, and we also, there was a story, Hetty Green. Hetty Green, and according to the Guinness Book of World Records, was the biggest miser ever. And I looked it up. She was given $100 million inherited from her dad. And at a time when women weren't involved in investments and stuff. She took the money, and when she died, she turned that $100 million in today's terms to $4 billion. In today's terms. But what happened, the money had more value than any other thing in her life. The money drove a wedge through husband and kids. She was known to eat cold oatmeal because didn't want to spend money to heat it. She washed the bottom of her hem on the dress, they said, because she didn't want to waste soap on the rest of the dress. Her son broke his leg. She took him to the free clinic for the poor and then tried to heal it herself, and he had to have it amputated. She died, turned $100 million in a time that women weren't necessarily big investors into $4 billion, but lost her family, neglected everything. She, she died miserable, alone, and rich. Where do you place your values? She placed hers on the monetary value, on money. That's where her value was. And Jace pointed out last week, Solomon, richest, he had riches, riches also. Wasn't that vanity and vexation of the spirit? Said what it was. We're here and we need to value our soul like God values our soul. And trust in Jesus and God's plan, not riches of this life. We need to stand firm in, in serving God, but we are, we are bound to give thanks away to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctifi sanctification of the Spirit and belief and truth, whereunto he called you by the gospels to you obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, steadfast and hold to the tra traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or epistle. Now the, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation of good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. When we will believe and accept the truth, we have the hope that through God's grace we'll have a home in heaven with him. Our soul will be strengthened by standing firm and serving God faithfully throughout our lives. Prayer can strengthen the soul. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And I put this as the final slide. Fewer than half of the U.S. adults pray daily. <laughs> 45% pray daily. The alarming thing is you look at this line right here, the weekly and monthly stayed the same, but seldom or never has gotten closer. It's 32%. This was Pew Research. Center for these slides. We're told in the Bible to pray without ceasing. The survey shows 
the importance some people are placing on prayer. Prayer needs to be a part of our everyday life, not just when things are going bad in our lives, but be thankful in our prayer of what we're blessed with. Pray for others um, to be strengthened also. Prayer can strengthen our relationship with God and help us realize the value of our souls. We also that he would strengthen your soul. We also that he would grant according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might with might by his spirit of the inner man. Like Paul here, we need to pray that our spirit is strengthened through God's spirit. When do you feel the strongest connection with God? When do you feel the strongest connection with God? Is it when you're out doing things for yourself? Or is it when you're studying the word, you have a good prayer life, and you're serving others? When is your connection closest to God, do you feel? I know when I shouldn't admit it, but for me to put together a 15-minute sermon, it takes me days. And when I'm immersed in studying and trying to gain knowledge to be able to do this, the decisions I make for my life seem like I value my soul more then than ever. It's when I get away from that and I get this, and over the next week, I might not study as much as I've been studying this week. When you push yourself away, the value of our soul goes away. We value things that, that mean something to us. And when you study, when you're in, studying the word, you're prayerful and you're serving God and helping others like, like he commands us to do. That's when you're closest with God, and that strengthens your soul. We need to also tell the story of Jesus to others. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and unto the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord of our God shall call. We need to tell others the story. There was Mr. Winston was a diamond salesman in, I believe, New York. Everything I looked at was New York. I guess that was big back in the day. He noticed where a Dutch uh, diamond buyer wanted a specific diamond, and he thought, man, I've got that. So he contacted him and set up a meeting to come to the store and look at this diamond. He came in, welcomed the man, and he, Mr. Winston put him with his best diamond guy, salesman. The guy went back, and it didn't take minutes. He raised his hand and said, this diamond's not what I'm looking for, and started for the door. And Mr. Winston kind of got in front of him and said, would you give me just a minute? He said, let me show you the diamond. Give me a little bit of time. And he went over with the man, and in a minute, they were shaking hands, and the guy was buying the diamond. And the guy, I guess, walking out the door just thought, what just happened here? <laughs> he told, asked Mr. Winston, he said, what just occurred? He said, moments ago, I looked at the diamond with your best salesman, and I told him I didn't want it. And minutes later, I talked to you, and you sold me the diamond. And Mr. Winston told him, said, you had, that guy's the best salesman I have, and I pay him well. He has all the knowledge you need to have on diamonds. Everything about him, and he's the best. 
but I wished I'd, I would double his salary if I could get him to learn this, and he could learn this from me. And he said, what's that? He said, I love the diamonds. I have a passion for it. And I tell that story because I'm guilty of this at times. Tell the story of Jesus to others. I'm shameful to admit that I've been scared to say stuff sometimes because I didn't know enough. I didn't think I was worthy to tell because I didn't know enough. What did they ask this question? I don't know. What's that saying about me? See, I was worried more about me than them. <laughs> Whether you have a great knowledge of the book, which we need to try to gain all the time or not, you can influence somebody by just telling them the story and letting them see the passion you have to serve Jesus. So don't be afraid to share your story. And if, if you have an opportunity, share the story of Jesus to others because you can tell by the slides it's not being done, by the surveys that are being uh, conducted we read here that time's running out whereas you not know what shall be on the morrow for what is your life if even a vapor that appears for a little while and vanisheth away when I was young somebody my age was ancient they wasn't even old they was ancient now they're not and it's happened fast I look at kids I look at mine I look at yours they're growing fast. I remember Zane, all your kids, I remember little. It happens fast. Life is just a vapor. We don't have as much time sometimes as we think. I've been to, as an educator, I've been to over 10 funerals of former students and kids. And I've been to some where they, the, the funeral preached was they lived a long life, they lived a good life, they lived a life of service. But I've been to over 10 of they died too young. It happens. Life's a vapor. You know, I've read the, in this story to try to kind of explain how the devil works a little sometimes. The devil was having a meeting with his ghouls. Trying to pull people away from God and Christ and not get them to be obedient to God and obey. One of them suggested, let's tell them there's not a God in straight silence. Because even they knew that everyone believes in a supreme being and that wasn't going to work. So they thought of another one. Another one uh, chimed in, let's tell them there's not a hell and there's not a punishment for whatever they do. Let's convince them of that. And they said, no, because anybody with a conscience knows when they do, do something wrong, there's punishment involved. That won't work. So the, the devil was about, and their, his ghouls, they were about to disperse the meeting because they couldn't find, any, couldn't find a way to convince people to not obey God. And the, the voice in the back popped up said, let's tell them there is a God. Let's tell them there is a hell. Let's tell them the Bible is the true word of God and is the truth. But let's tell them they've got plenty of time. Because they knew they could, he said, because if we can make somebody procrastinate and put off obeying the gospel, put off doing the work of God, they can drive that wedge. You know, we, time's short. Life is like, is a pure it's like a vapor that appears for a little time. 
We do not need to neglect obeying the gospel or feel that we have all the time in the world to do his work. We need to start now. The devil wants us to believe that there's time to obey the gospel. The truth is, we don't know how much time there is in our lives, and we need to place value on our souls. Our souls are valuable. They were valuable to God. They should be valuable to you. You know, when we place value on something, I'm going to, I'm going to give a few examples. We talk about a house. I imagine most of us have insurance on our house, so if it blows away, we can rebuild one and have a place to live. Our vehicles, we have insurance on those. So if something happens, we can buy another one. We value our time and jobs, and we work hard to, uh, to keep our jobs, and we value our time. And that's, that's where I'm the most selfish, I have to admit, my time. Just trying to help others, serve others, because I think I'm too busy at times. You know, where we place value is where we'll be. If we place value on money, we can be like Hedy Green and draw a wedge and lose everything, be rich and not have a thing. Not value your soul and lose your soul. Spend eternity in hell. We place value on our jobs. The same thing can happen if we place too much. We need to place value on doing God's work and value your soul and other souls around you. Place value where it belongs. God values your, your soul. You should also. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon podcast. If you would like more information or have questions about what you have heard, email us at cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash wheelerareacfc.com.